we are right now having um, with us, uh, Peter and myself are so delighted uh, that we have uh, Jim Cousins, the author of the best-selling book, The Leadership Challenge, that sold 2.5 million copies in print. And they are available in 22 languages. And the great thought leader, uh, you know, in the leadership arena, we are so proud to have Jim with us to help us to look at how do we lead in crisis. And we are here right now uh, sharing with him our thoughts in Asia Pacific, uh, that we like him to open the session by really addressing what are the three key challenges, you know, that organization leaders uh, face in this crisis and what is so special about this crisis, Jim? Well, Lily, thank you for the opportunity to be here with you and Peter. And hello to all my colleagues and friends at PACE and in Singapore and uh, throughout Asia and the world. I'm delighted to be with you. Thank you so much. To your question, you know, this, this particular pandemic, COVID-19, has, has actually brought up a number of novel challenges. We have never faced many of the things we're currently facing all at the same time. We may have experienced some things separately, but nothing like this. In fact, they call it a novel, novel virus. Uh, coronavirus is yeah. a novel virus because we've never experienced it before. It has its own unique qualities. And because of that, it's causing us to have other experiences that we, in combination, have never had before. Uh, the first of those is that it is novel. And, and because it's novel, there's significantly more uncertainty. Now, all crises produce uncertainty. Not knowing, not being able to predict, not, not having uh, a playbook to go by which in routine times you would have. But this one, because we were so unprepared for it, for it has caused a number of challenges. 37% of employees, for, of employers, for example, had no plan for dealing with a crisis like this. Uh, at, a couple of weeks in, and even after being about a month in, only 52%. So we were slow to get up to speed with various, measures to contain this and to mitigate this uh, at, at the governmental level. Some were more prepared like Singapore than others, but uh, the world wasn't just was not prepared for this. And that, that's one of the uniquenesses. Another thing is it happened very quickly within a very short period of time. Now, a couple of months in, you see the highest unemployment rate, at least in this country, and I think globally, we've ever seen since the Great Depression. It, it just happened so quickly that we, were, again, we're not prepared for that speed with which this took place. And I think the third uniqueness is the universality of it. This particular crisis happened uh, around the world. It's the, really the first global challenge we've all faced together. Uh, there was the financial crisis 2008 that impacted some countries more so than others. Uh, no, others practically not at all that impacted. Uh, th but this one is impacting the entire world in very dramatic ways. And 
combine that with the technology that allows us to see what's going on around the world. And that universality of this crisis uh, makes, is another feature, is another, another factor in making it uh, unique. Does that fit with your experience? Yeah, one of the things that we, we thought uh, really blew our mind off, uh, you know, in this crisis was, I really agree with you and resonate with you that it happened so quickly. Um, and, and, and it's so quick that uh, it has taken us really all, uh, honestly, all, I think, the whole world surprised. Because can you imagine, uh, you know, from one case to a million, to two million right now, in mm -hmm. such a short period, right? I mean, yeah. if you think about it from December to now, so it's really shocking. And it has way past our understanding, uh, even uh, when we had SARS, right? Yeah. It was really way past our understanding. Um, and I totally agree that we have never felt so impacted globally as a global village, global economies, global uh, really impact. It has honestly, I think we are now in this time like this facing a global crisis. I could now fully say that it is a global crisis. Yeah. It, it's no longer just Singapore. It's no longer, uh, you know, America. It's not China. It's not India, you know, but it's really a global crisis. And I think we all need to just step up uh, together, you know. Yeah. It, it, you know, we really are in this together, and and that's yeah. not just a slogan anymore. We, we're in it together, and we have to find ways to get out of it together. Because if we don't, we're not going to get out of it quickly. Uh, it's going to take us significantly longer. Because as you know from the work that you do, you and Peter and Pace, that when people work collaboratively together, yes, we yes. are better able to respond to something and more quickly than if we yes, tried to do it right. all by ourselves and closed our that's borders right, yeah. and closed our minds, shut ourselves off mm -hmm. from input from other people. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought I'd just add on, Jim mentioned about the, what, what are our thoughts. And I think really to add on to that is just, this is really the first time so unprecedented that the magnitude of the virus has caused so much of uh, impact mm -hmm. both on the, the, the business side and the home side and domestic side as well. And uh, we've seen unprecedented, unprecedented uh, unemployment, and people getting retrenched. And then obviously the fear that's crept in, 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 in the yeah. lives of people. You know, lives have been, never been normal again. But one word that, that really jumped off from what I thought was collaboration. Never have the world had an opportunity like that to really need to come down together and, and have a global collaboration. And, and virus like this would not, would not uh, give way until the world comes together. Uh, I think uh, under the leadership of who, perhaps the yeah. HWO, yeah, and uh, to bring nations together to really to work collaboratively, and so this is still ongoing, um, and uh, we don't know what will unfold as it comes. Yeah. Well, in some respects, the development of a vaccine is, in some ways, showing us how different countries, different companies that at yes. one time were yes. competitors could yes. come together yes. to try to find something because it is mm. a global yeah. challenge. Yeah. Under routine, normal circumstances, they'd be competing with each other to be the first to market. But mm -hmm. now they're finding ways to collaborate. But of course, because they've been so competitive, there's this tendency to, you know, the reluctance in some yeah. cases to share. But I, mm. I'm, I'm 
heartened by how they uh, the the uh, the drug manufacturers have become coll more collaborative yeah. around this particular vaccine mm -hmm. and various treatments, which does mm -hmm. sh shine some light on some good news. A a as you know from the work that we've done in our research, uh, we see challenge as an opportunity. Yeah. Challenge is an opportunity for greatness. Uh, when we did our research, Barry and I, on personal best leadership experiences, we found that Every single story that people told us about times when they did their best were times Whoa. of challenge, difficulty, adversity. Hmm. So what challenge does is also give you an opportunity to do something mm -hmm. significant, something meaningful, something mm -hmm. great, uh, like yeah, the discovery yeah. of a brand new vaccine in a very limited mm -hmm. period of time and to lead that effort or to, oh. to innovate in ways that you never possibly imagined. Uh, we're, we're talking over zoom and that technology along with other uh, technologies mm -hmm. that use virtual space are mm -hmm. forcing us to learn some new skills as peter pointed out they're forcing yeah. us to yeah. get retrained and develop new yeah. skills and competencies and mm -hmm. so there are there's a great reason for hope in that we come out of this with new tools mm -hmm. new skills mm -hmm. uh, new medicines yeah. new ways of working together yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And I like the way that, um, you know, we are seeing uh, all this happening. And that probably led us to the question like, you know, how can leaders ensure, right, organizations are crisis ready? I mean, we, we all think we are crisis ready. We, we introduced the business continuity planning, PCP, in some organization. So in your opinion, Jim, uh, you know, what can organization do? you know, uh, leaders do to ensure their organization are crisis ready? Well, I think if there's one overarching lesson in all of this, uh, it is that credi uh, credibility is the foundation of leadership. For organizational leaders, if there's one thing we all need to keep in mind is that credibility is the foundation of leadership. That you have to do what you say you will do. You have to lead by example. And you have to do that based on a clear set of values and beliefs. So part of preparing ourselves and part of ensuring that we are crisis ready is to develop the capacity, the skills and abilities and the confidence based on a clear set of values and beliefs to address whatever crisis may come next. I, I remember Ron Sugar, who uh, we wrote about in one of the editions of the Leadership Challenge, uh, was introducing himself uh, to a group at a seminar. And Ron sat down at the piano and started to play the piano for several minutes before he said a word at this seminar where he was chairman and CEO of Northrop Grumman. Uh, and Barry and I had the opportunity to work with Ron and, and Northrop Grumman. And uh, after he got done playing the piano, he turned to the executives in the room that worked at Northrop Grumman. And he said, you know why I started off by playing the piano? And people didn't have a response. And finally, he said, I'll tell you why. He said, to me, leadership is personal. Do the people you lead know who you are, what you care about, and why they ought to be following you? And so as we think about the, this crisis or any crisis, we need to take an inner journey first as leaders and ask ourselves, what do we care about? Who am I? And why should people be following me? 
and get really centered around that. So that implies a number of different things. One, we have to mentally prepare. We, we have, to, have to understand ourselves, our backgrounds, what got us here, what makes us capable of dealing with this situation. Uh, we have to be emotionally prepared. We have to tap into our resilience and psychological hardiness in order to be prepared as leaders for this. We have to spiritually prepare uh, by understanding our values and beliefs, what truly will guide us. You know, when, when you're in an uncertain circumstance, situation, when nothing is routine, what are you going to fall back on? Mm. You know, fall back on your values and beliefs. Right. right. And clarifying those, that's, that's Ron's question about what do, you, what do you believe in? And we also have to be uh, pro professionally prepared. We have to have the skills and abilities uh, that will enable us. And we're learning a lot of new ones now. I never expected myself to become expert in Zoom or any of these other technologies, but here we are. You know, I've been working for a home for a very long time, but there's a lot of things I realized I didn't know about that now that this crisis came and then hopefully we'll be better prepared the next time. Uh, and so I, those, I think those are some of the things that would help or leaders to become prepared personally to handle this kind of a crisis. And, and then we also uh, have to think about ways in which we can turn adversity into opportunity. Tell me, what do you right. think? What, what are some of your observations yeah. about? Jim, Jim, I'm going to build upon what you said. I think it's good having this conversation with you, uh, learning much from you as usual, right? And you mentioned about to be crisis ready, leaders have to develop people. And of course, develop themselves in the organization. I'm, I'm reminded of the five exemplary practices, and mm -hmm. this zooms out to enabling others to act, right? So I'm going to nail down to the, the, the behavior about listening to others, listening to others when leaders enable others to act, they listen to others and really empowering them to have a voice. Crisis time, leaders rise up and take the lead. It's just like when you're facing a, a, a waterfall and the leader will say, turn back. But how, how important is listening to people in crisis like that from a leader's perspective? Exceedingly important. And one of the things that happens when we face a crisis like this, it is disruptive to our, our personal normal routines. It's very upsetting. It's destabilizing. Uh, it's frightening. It's scary. We often lose hope. Uh, we are not clear about who should we should trust. We're getting mixed messages. We're not hearing clear signals from people about what we should do, uh, or wondering whether does my organization care about me? Do my leaders care about me? And just the capacity to sit down and have a dialogue with employees about, about what's going on with them and how they're doing. Uh, and, and I was talking with a colleague of ours in the same field uh, uh, last week, and he was saying, you know, one of the things they've found in their business uh, which is leadership development as well, is that what their clients don't necessarily want right now, a lot of new training. What they want is to have somebody listen to them oh. and understand them and be compassionate with their situation. We all need that in times of crisis. So uh, as, a, as one of my mentors used to say, we, at, during times like this, we have to grow big ears. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And grow real fast, right? Yeah, really. Yeah. yeah, well said. Thank you.
You know, I, I like to also build on the point that you said, because I was just thinking about, you know, being crisis ready. And and I like what you just say, why people should follow me? I think this is a really important question, because in crisis, being crisis ready, why should people follow you? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, in a crisis, right, the decisions you make, the resources, uh, the way you manage your resources, and the decision especially, right? And, and really, um, how should leaders react when faced with failure from crisis? So I, I would like to build that question by saying, why should people follow us? Because that is really, to me, is a very key, key question here. That, uh, what do you think about this part? You know? Well, it goes back to the research, which you knew really well, and what people yeah. look for and admire in leaders. They, they want right. leaders who, first and foremost, are credible meaning they have a clear set of values and beliefs and they stand for those beliefs and they, mm. they, they lead by example. And so if they're issuing a set of guidelines about how one ought to behave, whether it's in COVID-19 or any circumstance, they follow those same guidelines. They lead by example. They show others the way by doing the same things they're asking for others. They do what they say they will do. People also want leaders who are forward-looking. They want leaders who have some sense of direction. Now, when we're lost and feel at sea, we don't want a leader to say, well, I have to tell you the truth. I have no idea where we're headed. Now, you may not know for certain what the future will look like. None of us do. But you do have, hopefully have some sense of where you're trying to take us, which goes back to one of the things leaders need to, pre- need to do to prepare themselves is to really sit back and listen to the, uh, their, the employees in their organization, as well as their other stakeholders, and about why we, why we are here. What is our purpose? And where do we mm. hope to be three years from now? One of the things they found in research uh, uh, on psychology is that what can be very helpful in times like this is what's called temporal distancing. That is distancing yourself from the present circumstance where you might feel some uncertainty, some fear, some doubt, some hopelessness. Distance yourself from that and imagine five years from now and you're having a conversation with your kids or your employees or friends and you're talking about those days five years ago and distance yourself and, and then talk about what's going on at that time five years from now. So by distancing ourselves from the present and thinking about the future, we become more hopeful. So leaders need to do that with their employees. They need to talk about why we're here, what our purpose is, and where we're headed. And the other thing is that, that we look for in leaders is, we call it inspiring, but it's a sense of, of having energy being energetic, uh, taking initiative, uh, being upbeat and positive about the future. Those things will help leaders to be better prepared for the future, have more credibility, and also will give hope to the employees in the organization. What is very unusual in this COVID pandemic is that uncertainty is surprising us daily, right? Um, What we know, we don't know. And what we know sometimes become uh, 
really obsolete and you, you know because in in the space of speed so i'm just thinking as a leader i believe that we can be honest we can be honest and say yes i don't know and i totally agree with you but but am i able to see like in in asian we we use the word crisis weiji wei means there is danger mm-hmm. and ji means there is jihui there is an opportunity mm-hmm. so i'm i'm also really learning uh, in this journey on my own here is that i'm also reflecting we used to just say that yeah is it all right for leaders really must have the presence to say that yes i recognize i reckon there are danger but do i also reckon the opportunity and it has to be together you know and i think that that really to me is really key and also i think the important like in your research that what you have said is how could we actually have alignment of the values uh, very much uh, the research that you uh, barry and you have done about positive engagement right is when our values alignment clarity that is uh, clarity in what we we care for the values that we embrace and really have uh, raise it to a level where people are willing uh, we say that people are willing to follow you in crisis right yeah exactly yeah well said and and i think that's that's the notion of challenges opportunity challenges and opportunity for greatness uh, we found, as as we said earlier in our personal best, that that people w- who talk about doing their best as leaders always talk about the context being challenged. So challenge brings that out of us, and we can see that in in this COVID nineteen pandemic, where people get be- have become very inventive about new ways of doing things, and something that they never did before, just as simple as working from home, and then you're having to adapt. You're having if you're a mom and you and a dad and you're now working both working from home you got the kids they're not they're not in school you got to teach them you as well now we're, we've taken on the role of teacher as well as parent so we're, we're adapting we're, we're finding out how resilient we can be as human beings and i think that should uh, give give us hope and inspire us to see how resilient how much grit we really have you know and i think that's an important role for leaders all leaders need to put this pandemic and other crises that will come in the future into a broader context. Sometimes we feel like we're right in the middle of this. This is the worst thing that ever happened in the whole history of the human race. And, and we're here we are stuck and I'll never be able to go back to the way things were. Well, let's broaden the context and, and take a broader view of history and look back and say, you know, look at the human race, where, it's, where it started and where it is today. And, and yes, this is awful. People are dying. We are suffering. That is the truth. And we have to tell the truth. We can't deny that. We can't deny the facts. Mm-hmm. But we can deny the verdict. Mm-hmm. We can deny that we're doomed. And we can say there is hope out there if we all fully commit to what's important. And that begs the question then, what is important? What's most important mm-hmm. to us? And, and to look ahead. I, I think we're gonna see a generation of kids who are growing up in this time, start to ask organizations more and more about why, you know, what's the purpose of this organization anyway? Is it just to make money? Or is there something bigger than that, that we're here to do? Uh, and 
you know, when you fully commit to what's important, you have visions, you have a vision and value, then you can take charge of change. You, we can't change. Yeah. I'm not a physician. You're not a physician. You're yeah. not physicians. There's certain things we can't do, but we can take charge of what we do know about, and we can then take action. One of the things people look to leaders for in times like this is action. We can take little steps towards the future, and we know we can't do it alone, so we got to engage with others. We got, as Peter was yeah. saying earlier, we have to yeah. enable others mm -hmm. to act. Yeah. And then we have to show that we care about others. We have to encourage the heart. Uh, and if we do those things, we're much more likely to be seen as leaders, much more likely to be successful as leaders than if we uh, just talk about how bad things are or feel disempowered. This is an aside, uh, but uh, I was listening yesterday, no, the day before yesterday, while I uh, was listen, listening to a podcast to an author, uh, his name is Roy, uh, Roy Baumeister and his co-author John Tierney, who wrote a book called The Power of Bad, uh, which one of the things that they've discovered in their research, and it's actually been written about previously by others, is that we as human beings have a negativity bias. Yeah. We tend to, as they say in the, in the news, if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah, <laughs> if it's bad news, it, gets to, it makes the headlines, right? Wow. Uh, and it takes four good news to overcome one bad news. So if you think about that principle as a leader, we have to continuously focus on why we should be optimistic. Let's tell a good story about mm. what somebody did during this crisis. Let's encourage mm -hmm. that person's heart. Let's tell, we got to tell at least four of those to overcome all of the negative stuff. And so as leaders, we can make a difference. We can have an impact if we apply these kinds of principles to the work that we do. You know, seeing, seeing that the organizations are tumbling, whether it's the MNCs or, or the multinationals, their SMEs or their middle-sized organizations, uh, we can see world retrenchment, whether it's in U.S. or outside of the U.S., People are losing jobs and all. And inevitably in the process, we see organizations fail, right? So what would be your advice for leaders in the failing organization, seeing that they have to release people bit by bit, day by day, and then down to the skeleton crew and eventually not knowing what's next to come? So how would you advise leaders in, in, in such kind of distraught situation? How would you encourage the heart of these leaders? Well, we hear that every day, don't we? about a particular business that may have to close or has closed. We right. hear about people out of work. We hear about even large companies that have to declare bankruptcy. Uh, so it is a very tough economic time. Right. And, you know, th this is one of those kinds of situations where a leader has to show a great deal of empathy and compassion for people we may not be able to save the company. Right. We may not be able to save the business, but we can tell people how it's impacting us and how we're feeling about it. And let people know that we're vulnerable too. We, we, we can be vulnerable and be open with people about how it's impacting us and be humble. 
I mean, there are just some things that we may not be able to fix. And that may sound as a depressing message, but people are much more likely to give credibility to someone who appears human and vulnerable Mm. than somebody who appears like, oh, I'm going to save the world. Mm. And yet we all observe that around that person, it's falling apart. We say that person's really out of touch. That person doesn't know what he or she is doing. And so we can't, and this is one of the tensions between yeah. uh, in leaderships. It's a tension between yeah. uh, honesty and, and humility and credibility. Right. You know, there's only so much vulnerability and of saying I don't know what's going on, and I'm, I'm, I'm I, I understand how you're feeling, and people saying, okay, great, I'm glad you understand all that, but you know, can't you do something about turning this business around? Uh, there's going to be a tension there. I, I think in the end, there are two things I'd, I'd say to leaders. First of all, this is a tremendous opportunity for learning. Right. Learning about yourself, learning about the world, learning about other people. And I would recommend that every leader during this period of time keep a journal. Because five years from now, when you look back at this, there will be some very valuable lessons for what you do five years from now or in the, into the future. This is an important time for learning. And another thing, it's, I'm reminded of, a, uh, I think I've told you this story before, but uh, my wife and I were in Truckee, California, and we were, we were visiting. It's a resort town in the ta- uh, near t- Lake Tahoe in California. In the, in the Sierra Mountains. And uh, we were going there for a little, it was having in the springtime and we were going there for a vacation. We stopped in Truckee and there was a little store uh, right beside the railroad tracks in, this, tracks in this small town called Truckee, California. We walked into a, a restaurant uh, and on the side of the building, there was a sign that said, this building is dedicated to Ignatius Joseph Furpo. And then it said, what you have done for yourself dies with you. What you do for others lives on and is immortal. And so I think this time begs a question for leaders personally, but how do I want to be remembered? What do I want people to be saying about me as a leader after this is over? How do I want to be perceived by the people that I work with? If we took some pause and answered that Mm. question, keeping in mind that what we have done for ourselves dies with us, what we have done for others lives on and is immortal. Mm. Maybe that'll help us get through this in a way that uh, is more personally inspiring and inspiring to others. Wow. Well, indeed, that was so inspiring, Jim, as, 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 we, as I hear you very intently, really, you bring out a few good nuggets about, I think, amongst other things, you mentioned about keeping a journal. Journal is it's a record of what, what we learn. It's a reflection of, in this case, the, the current crisis. And when things are all back to so-called normal, so to speak, although we will never be back to the normal normal, 
that serves as a, a compass, uh, uh, a tool for leader to, to, to build upon and then to begin to imagine uh, what will unfold from the things that they have learned and then moving forward, perhaps to build on a vision that inspiring and then start the whole cycle again. So it's like journal, reflection, imagination, and then envisioning again. And there goes a new hope. Yeah. Wow. How profound, Jim. Thank you so much. How profound that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I really like the example that you gave about honesty, humility, and credibility. How apt, because I think it is so tough as a leader. I can't imagine, you know, in a failing organization, how can I be honest? How can I be continue to be humble and yet credible? And I think it all goes down to being believable. You remember in your research, I mean, are we believable? You know, and, and I think people want that in a crisis situation, that even though we are failing, we, we are believable. We are honest, we are humble, and we are credible. Yes. And I think that is a tension that all leaders uh, out there we need to balance uh, in this very difficult time. Yeah. And Jim, um, if there's something that you could um, encourage, you know, uh, the leaders in Asia Pacific right here, or even globally uh, listening, tuning into this, um, are there anything that you felt that uh, we should embrace, uh, you know, in our hearts as leaders? I think it goes back to what we were just talking about. If we think about, reflect on the legacy we want to leave, what are the lessons that we want other people to have learned from us? What are the ideals that we stand for? What are the feelings that people around us we want to have? What are the feelings we want them to have? And and what's going to be the evidence that we have made a difference, that we've contributed? If we could just reflect on those four areas, lessons, ideals, feelings, and evidence, it's the initials, by the way, are life, L-I-F-E, and reflect, just reflect on your life, you, you know, that I think we would all, all become better leaders and we'd better understand ourselves. What I think if, if there's if perhaps one central message to, to all leaders, it is you matter, you make a difference. We have found in our research that the most important leaders are the ones who are closest to us. Mm. That means if you're a leader, those people who report to you or who are, they may be your peers that you are leading horizontally. They may be family members. They may be members of your church yeah. or your community. Those people, are the ones who are closest to you and you have the most impact on those individuals and you can make a difference and you do make a difference based upon the extent to which you engage in exemplary leadership behaviors. You matter, you make a difference. Well said, so well said, yeah. I like the word live and it's so interesting. And you know, just to compliment you that, um, that when you say live, um, it's the same as in Chinese. We have this word called business. Mm. Uh, you know, shen yi is also about life meaning. It says that the word business in Chinese is called shen yi. Shen means life and yi means meaning. Mm. You know, all of us, when we do business, we are actually bringing meaning to life. Mm. 
I wish that was what we called it here, and it would uh, people would understand it quite differently. <laughs> Great lesson. Thank you. On, on that note, yeah. before we conclude, I think Jim, we want to honor you and Barry for yes. for bringing life yes. to the so many leaders yes. in the world community. We, leading myself, yes. we are so much uh, impacted by you and really admire yes. the work that you do, and certainly. You make the world a much better place, as I've said in your you know, birthday greeting, yeah. and only meant from my heart. Yeah, so yes. so thank you so much, Jim. You you are you are the we call it the great American duo, and that is something <laughs> great American duo. <laughs> not Trump, thank not you. anybody else, but Jim and Barry. Thank you so thank much, you Jim. Very much. Your works are really well, yeah. impactful, and and your thank encouragement you so much, is so yeah. timely at this point in time where we are mm -hmm. facing. Yeah. Uh, challenges and also facing encouragement from a thought leader like you. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, Peter. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you thank for you. the good work, extraordinary work that you do. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah.